You're listening to Pullin' Weeds, the official podcast of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the people appearing on the show and not of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Associations or the sponsors. Enjoy the show. Welcome in to another episode of Pullin' Weeds. Got a special guest with us today from our host sponsor down here at Daniel Island Green Resource and um, Jason Blakely. Jason, where are you from? I'm from Lancaster, South Carolina. And your role is with Green Resource now, correct? It is, yes. And what exactly do you do for them? So I am the golf sales rep for the Charlotte area. Area. Um, my territory covers Charlotte Metro, Greenville, Spartanburg, down to Aiken, up to Florence, South Carolina, and then back towards Charlotte. Wow. So, um, how much time are you on the road? 90% of the time. Really? You don't have an office day? Um, Will they let you? Sometimes Monday, yeah, because Mondays are just hard for anyone. To get calls in. Yeah. Yeah. And usually this time of year, you're trying to get EOP stuff out of the door. So, I'll be in the office one to maybe two days a week this time of year, but mostly I'm on the road. All right. So, we're going to hit you with the loaded question up front. What were you wearing when you first met Keith Wood? Gamecock socks. And how did that go over? Good. Have you heard the story? I did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell everybody the story. Share it All with All right. Them. So I went to South Carolina. Um, yeah, we got to clarify. USC in the Carolinas means University of University South Carolina. Of South Carolina. Not Southern Cal. The original USC. Okay. I'll let you have that. I'm and, a Clemson uh, guy, so we're not going to get into it Hey, today. I'm marrying into a Clemson family. Good so. for you. Good for you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I went to South Carolina. Um, been a tough year for us, but... So, yeah, that's where I went to school, undergrad, all that. And um, Robert and I actually went to see Keith. First time I ever met him, four or five months ago, give or take. And I see the diploma sitting on the wall. And I was like, oh, man, he went to South Carolina. Now we've got something in common. And we got to talking, and I pulled up my socks. And then there he was like, oh, yeah, man, we're, we're good to go now. That's it. Yeah. It's, it, and how rare is it that you find a USC grad in this turf business? Very rare. And especially somebody at like Keith Wood at Quail Hollow. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I was one of the one of the few like Keith who have kind of taken that path and then went back to turf. So let's talk about that a little bit. So what did you um, where'd you grow up? Let's start there. Um, I grew up. I guess you could say where I got the passion for growing was my grandparents were farmers. So okay, I, row crop. Grow, yeah, from a young age, I've been on a tractor. So um, peanuts, growing, soy, corn, and soy, corn and soy, and cattle. But in South Carolina, yeah. Great. Yeah. So we, my brother and I, from the time we were, I don't know, three, four years old, ride a tractor, plant gardens with my grandma behind her house, farm, sun up, sundown, and then it just kind of went from there. Is that close to where you are now? Yeah. Yeah. So that was in Kershaw, South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Kershaw. So my folks live in Lugolf. Okay. Yeah. So not too far away from there. I didn't grow up there, but um, anyways, okay. So grew up in an ag fam. Obviously had an interest in that. So what takes you to USC then? Um, it's where my dad went to school. Okay. Um, so it was kind of a generation thing, I guess you could say. And sure. To be where I am now, I didn't plan on doing this as my career. Um, I started at a golf course as the high school kid at the golf course in the okay. summer. and Not working in the pro shop. No, no, maintenance. And, you know, they give you a weed eater and it's here you go. Go have fun. And then, so we'll see you Thursday. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and then um, – that kind of took off to a summer job, 
through high school and then through college and then after college where I became an assistant there. But, yeah, at USC, I was going to school to be a lawyer, of all things. Really? Yeah. How'd that work out? Uh, <laughs> it was okay. Um, so what kind of a degree did you end up with? Uh, history. Okay. Yeah, and then I guess the worst part was the, the year I graduated was COVID year. Oh. So it was, you know, we're on spring break. You know, we'll see you guys in a week. Like, were you some friends. of those guys I saw in Florida that were getting in all that trouble? No, not okay. me. All right, all right, good. But, yeah, like, you know, we go on spring break, and it's, you know, you tell your buddies, I'll see you in a week. And, you and then it becomes another week, and then I haven't seen some of those guys since. You never I really had a graduation. I that. Yeah, I mean, like, I talk to them here and there, and, like, we'll see each other at weddings, but some people I have not seen since that year. I didn't even think about that in terms yeah. of, like, closure from those, yeah, like, I mean, it a was, high school or a college. Yeah, it was, you know – people I lived with in college and it was all right I'll see you in a couple of weeks we'll we'll go to baseball games nothing never had graduation um that's good perspective on covid in the timing of it you yeah know? spring break yeah you're at college you go with pure intentions and you come home to a lockdown yeah i mean i guess the one cool part of graduation was our names got put on the board at williams rice but other than yeah. that there that was it. that's the, finding something positive <laughs> there all right so you graduated then in the midst of COVID. Yeah. So what do you do? Back home with mom and dad, there's nothing, I guess, for anyone that age to do other than online school. And then, you know, I, the golf course was, I had in my mind, I was like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm, I'm tired of it. And then he called me. He was like, hey, man, I know you're home. Who's he? My old superintendent, Ross Baker. Okay. And likes your golf course. And he called me and he was like, I know you're home. If you want a job, you got it. And I was like, all right, I'll think about it. And then I, I mean, we lived three minutes from the golf course. I grew up out there. You so. drove by it a couple times. Yeah, basically. Not having any success yeah. putting the resume out online. Yeah. And finally just said, I need to do something. The exactly. folks are kicking my rear yeah. here. Mom and dad were like, you got to find a job. You got to do something. So I went back. We didn't send you to USC to move home. <laughs> exactly. I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. In a loving, non-hurtful way. Yes. And so I, I went back and I kind of fell in love with it again. Um, the guys, the camaraderie. The grind, if you if you want to call it that. I mean, sure. it's something that you want to do that if you do it, you have to want to do it. And, yeah, that – let's see, that was another, I don't know, year or so, and then I okay. transitioned to Green Resource. So how did that opportunity come up? Um, I knew a guy who worked for Bysod, okay. uh, Drew Walters. Um, his dad was actually my golf coach. And I was – and I knew that they were owned by Site One. Okay. So I was like, I'll just look and see. And it came up as a site one job, and I applied for it, interviewed. And so tell everybody, it. what was that position? So the position was more inside sales. Um, there's a counter inside the warehouse where you can – companies can go in, anyone can go in and buy stuff. And um, this is the Charlotte warehouse? Charlotte warehouse, yes. Because okay. um, y'all's home office is in Colfax. Colfax, yeah. We have Colfax, Charlotte, Shalot, Ladson, and Garner. Five stores, yeah. right? Yep, okay. Yeah. And so that was more of an inside thing there. Um, Did you have to know Spanish? No, but I do know Spanish. A Did it bit. help you at all with it, inside sales? It does. Sales? It does. Um, it helps you with the... I've heard from some of the ResCom guys it might help a little with bit. The, there is a language barrier depending on the company. Okay. Um, because we also do erosion control, so a lot of those guys are more the Hispanics. But it's So not where bad. did you learn Spanish? Uh, through school, I took it uh, first through fifth grade. I took French in middle school and then Spanish in high school and college. And you're still fluent in it today? I wouldn't say fluent, but I can get my way through a conversation. You could get to. through a foreign country if you had to. Oh, yeah. 
and you can understand what people are saying on the elevators when they don't think you can. Yes. That's the best. <laughs> okay. Sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> no, okay. no, you're good. So inside sales at Green Resource. Yeah, and then I uh, did that for a year or so. I tell people I'm a terrible example because I've kind of moved up the ladder so fast, like staying with a company because I did inside sales, assistant branch manager, and now outside sales. And that was all within okay. a, through almost four-year span. So geography's been good, kind of like real estate for you then, location, yeah. location, location. Yeah. You, you've been in the right place at the right time for yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's paid off, and that's something, you know, my parents instilled in me was to have that work that work ethic, and it will pay off, and it has. So where, you, oh, sorry, go ahead. To where, you know, uh, when I was inside, I would be the first one there and the last one to leave. It's just how it was. Even Same at a young course. age. Yeah, I was 23 years old, and I was there at 640 in the morning, and I'd leave it. 4.45 in the afternoon. Now, where does that come from? My parents, grandparents. Growing um, up on a farm. Yeah, my... Being responsible. My paternal grandfather, he was a World War II vet, and it was, if you're on time, you're late. If you're earlier, you're on time. I, I know that well. Yeah, that's, that's just... My family's always been early as on time. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I try and instill that in my kids. One of them, it works. The other one, we're just happy he's there. Yeah, I'm trying to get my fiance on that train and at work sometimes other times not so much yeah and then you get in trouble if you start lying about exact arrival times yeah. to beat that yeah <laughs> i thought you said it started at six well yeah and we, we get there early on and time. no one's there yes. and then it's like why are we here so early because if i told you seven it'd been eight when we got here dear. exactly exactly That's great so um outside sales now and you've got that huge territory yeah what's that like a lot of windshield time. Is it daunting to you or is it challenging? No, it was it was challenging at first. And I, I don't want to say scary or almost a little intimidating because following someone like Dave Detmer, who was in my position, who I built a great relationship with, he's you know, he's got a lot more experience in the industry than I do. Sure. Me being young. And it was it was a little scary, but you know, the guys once they realize who you are and just what you do, they, they take you in as one of their own. It's, you know, nothing bad, but it's just a lot of windshield time. Sure. It's relationship yeah. building, isn't it? It is. And a lot of talking on the phone. Trying to get in the door. Yeah. And that's then, it. you know, I mean, you're young, you'll learn it, but I'm thinking I was probably around your age when somebody handed me a book, you know, the art of asking. And, and the whole point is people, people buy from people. They do. You know, you're going to have a variety of products that may or may not be as good or that may or may not be better but at the end of the day if you've got that relationship and they can count on you to deliver then you've got the success you need yeah and i don't i don't mean to get off that topic no go but with sales my dad was he's been in sales for my entire life and okay. i was always like i'll never do it not happening not going to sales here i am and he's always worked in charlotte and i was like i'm never working in charlotte i work literally not even a mile down the road from where his office was now, is he retired? No, he's 65 now. He's going to be retiring within the calendar year, though. So is it cool that y'all get to, like, have lunches or together every See, now and then? See, we haven't even done that yet oh, because I'm never on, in Dad. Charlotte. <laughs> I'm never there. And is his territory just Charlotte, so he's always oh, close? Oh, no, he's, like, southeast. Oh, jeez. So y'all haven't even overlapped in, you know, well, we did Actually, we did, we did it Huntersville one day, North Carolina. Actually, we did, yeah. Well, that's not too far from the house, then. No, no, but, yeah, he's he's a lot broader than I am I'm just two states okay so fiance mm -hmm. what's her name Carly and she's from Fort Mill South Carolina okay and y'all don't live at the folks house anymore no in McConnell's nice McConnell's 
Tell us about McConnell's a little bit. What's Some, it famous for? Oh, man. Any good barbecue joints? There actually is. Sweet Caroline's. Sweet Caroline's. And McConnell's is two gas stations and a Dollar General. That's about it. Give somebody perspective of where that is if you're looking at Charlotte. Um, Where's so you, McConnell's? Southwest. It is. If you were in Rock Hill and you took Cherry Road, which is a main road in Rock yep. Hill past Winthrop, followed all the way to the end, that stop sign is McConnell's. So you're... East of 77, then? If you're, no, I'm west. West, west of, of 77. If you pass Winthrop going west. Gotcha. You would, that would take you straight to McConnell's. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Middle of nowhere. So that's where you center your territory from. Basically, What's your farthest yeah. call? Oh, I don't know. Pendleton, maybe? Like South Carolina? Yeah. That's only a couple hours. Well, yeah. I mean, that's. So you're about a two-hour radius all Between around Between there and Florence, yeah, that's about my furthest thing. Okay. Yeah, so I'm – How many courses are that? I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head. It's hundreds. Oh, yeah, it's it's a ton. Is your expectation – or the expectation of you to attempt or at least set foot on every one of the properties in your territory? Yeah, over a period of time, um, Robert and Jonathan, they, they know that, you know, I'm still getting acclimated with everything and, and to keep – the customers I have now keep that customer base good, um, and then eventually branch out because it's. I mean, it took me once I started this full time in September, give or take a few weeks. It took me all the way through EOP season just to see three quarters of everyone. Sure, I mean it, it was it's, it was a lot. Um, oh, how many can you see in a day if you have a good day? In Charlotte, if you have a good day, I would say six max if you okay. start at seven in the morning i mean okay. and that's spending quality time with somebody, yeah yeah not i mean that's dropping off a brochure yeah. i mean i to put things in perspective i bought a truck in september and by the end of october i'd put thirteen thousand miles on it sure and that was just work nothing else sure no i get it i bought <laughs> one in august one time august 19th two years ago and conference and show was november 22nd or 3rd and i had 28 on it yeah i get it yeah. Yeah. Especially covering a couple states. I mean, it's just the variety of things that, that you have to touch on. It is. And whatever. But um so what's what's the goal? What are, where are we going? Um sales for life or back to a superintendent or are, yeah. are we not allowed to cover that in case somebody at the company listens? Sorry. <laughs> I, I would say sales. Um I guess the the next thing on my plate is get our, our wedding behind us. That's my next When is that? May twenty fifth of this year here in Charleston. And you're staying out of the way of all planning, correct? Yes. <laughs> Just agreeing and nodding when needed. Yeah. Yes, honey, sure. There yeah, you go. So that's, that's the next thing on our plate, that, and then uh, going to Europe for a honeymoon. So. Where are you going? Uh, Spain, Italy, and France. Spending a month? No, 10 days. Good for oh, you. Robert wouldn't give me a month. Come on. I, I'm just <laughs> plugging away here, trying. Maybe it's, it's like, what do they call that, non-PTO or something? Yeah. So, so yeah, af- after that, I mean, obviously season's about to get ramping up and rolling with bulk spreads, but, I mean, it's just – Busy time. Busy, yeah. busy time. But it's enjoyable. I've as a kid, I was always one of the kids on the driving range who was like, Man, I would love to work on a golf course. And then I got to that and then you could ask Robert. He was sitting in my office one day when I was an assistant branch manager. And I said, You know what, Robert, I'd I'd love to be in sales. And then How long did that take? A couple months? Probably a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. I and you didn't to, have any time with Dave in transition, right? Like no, so, he left, so gave Dave two weeks, and then in, you get hired. Yeah, Dave left in July. And then we were so understaffed <laughs> in Charlotte that me and the branch manager, Clint, were kind of 
playing both roles of our jobs and Dave's job. And I was trying to go out and call on people. And and then finally they offered me Dave's job full-time after I think he had been kind of pressing them on it anyways because he, he advocated for me. Um, and, yeah, and then it was full-time from there. But it was it was a hectic probably three months of trying to keep the business and trying to do my job and trying to do another job and – Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, it, it made you want to pull your hair out some days. No doubt. And you got good hair. Wrestling, I mean, there's a bunch of bald guys in that room. Yeah, everybody there. tells me that. <coughs> good hair, man. There's there's a, there's a lot to be said about that. Just keep it. All right, what's the first car you ever drove? Oh, or I should maybe say first piece of equipment. Oh, that's been a tractor or a John Deere Gator. By yourself? Yeah. At- or, or Snapper Lawnmower. I might would even throw that one in there. But I would say probably a tractor. By the time you were five or six, you were on any of those pieces. Yeah, I remember the day my grandfather, (coughs) I was in preschool, actually. He picked me up from preschool or picked me up from mom and dad's house, and we went and bought a John Deere Gator. And I remember him him bringing it back to my mom's house and driving it. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, first car you ever drove? Probably uh, my grandfather's pickup truck or my dad's old truck, one of the two. Stick shift then? I I don't think they were stick shifts, though. Yes. But see, now that I learned to drive stick on a tractor. Sure. Sure. So, I mean. You already had that down. You yeah. could have driven a car yeah. or a truck with it. Oh, yeah. Like, we used to drive my mom's car. Or her grand, her parents lived so far out in the country. We would just drive it from their house to their church and turn around and come back. Just as practice as, like, sure. 12, 13-year-old kids. That's the best. That's the best. See, we grew up as an Army brat, and, like, our safety zone was on post. Sure, you could get pulled over by the MPs, yeah. you know, and you could get in trouble, but. You know, that was the military police. Sure, you're scared of them, but it was like, as a 12 or 13-year-old, we may have gotten some driver's lessons, driving lessons from the older sibling there. Um, yeah. On post, of course. Yeah. Because if you got caught on post, at least you weren't going to get thrown off post. Um, but anyways, all right, so is there anything you want to tell any of your customers while we're here um, or your family or anybody else? Um, customers first, I'd, I guess I'd say thank you. You know, they they all just kind of took me in. Being, That's awesome. Yeah, when I – when Dave left and I was, you know, trying to make the rounds and get people to answer the phone at least because that was the hardest part was getting people to answer a phone from a number. They have no clue who it is. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, Keith, Zelensky, um, Micah and Eric and Brandon at Carmel, all those guys, they just, yeah, man, give me a day and time. Come by. That's great. The I see Micah's here too, huh? Yeah. And the assistants like John and John at Charlotte, um, they've both been awesome. I mean, everyone, from the big clubs down to the smaller guys. It's been great. So, thank you to them. Um, obviously, to my parents. Without them, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in. Um, they did a good job. If you're listening, Mom and Dad, be yeah, proud of the boy. Put me through school. Brought me upright. I mean, it is what, it's something I'll be eternally grateful for. Well, I hope that anybody who's listening took note of the fact of the hard work has, aspect of it that he brought up earlier. And we can't lose that from generation to generation. I think I'm a big fan of outworking everybody. You know, if you want something, go get it. That's a hard thing to come by in my generation is just to get someone to show up to work. Yeah. Much <laughs> less first and leave last. Yeah, that's a that's a very difficult thing to do. I've noticed that through people I know and just trying to hire people in green resource because we, you know, we hold a standard. Um, I got a senior on a basketball team, and I'm trying to instill that in him. I'm like, look, you should be the first one to practice and the last one to leave. Yeah. You know, you should yeah. be the one picking up the cups. You know, it that everybody is. else leaves behind should be the example. And it's yeah. amazing to watch them convert a little bit. So yeah. kudos to the folks for you, man. Yeah. Thank you.
Thank you. All right. Well, the important part of you being down here is the networking and getting to meet all these folks. And it sounds like it's about to wrap up next door. So with that, if you don't have anything else, we're going to say thanks for your time. Thank you. And get you back to work selling. I'll try my best. All right. Well, thank you all. And thank Green Reef Force for uh, partnering with us for the winter meeting down here at Daniel Island. And man, we wish you all the best. Thank you. All right. Welcome back to Pulling Weeds. Still here at Daniel Island for the assistance meeting. Tim has stepped out like he does, so I'm at the helm here, and we have a couple guests, a couple gentlemen from Pinehurst Course 2. We got Eric, maybe, Assistant Superintendent, and David Crowback. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. Wow. Thank you for coming on, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Yep, glad to have y'all. Um, I love Pinehurst. Um, every time I go there, I get excited just because it's just a cool place to be. Do y'all like working there? I love working there. Uh, I've been there years past, and uh, not only being at the golf courses and the size of what we do, it, it's just a beautiful area to be around. It is. It's The Sand Hills are, are really special and when I think about the Sand Hills through North and South Carolina, it's Pinehurst is the epitome of the Sand Hills, in my opinion. I agree. You know, um, we have similar areas here in South Carolina, but um, boy, it's just a special place. So you can see why so many years ago, Mr. Tufts decided to build a resort there, just because it's a cool place to be, for sure. So this is a big year in Pinehurst, 2024, U.S. Very, Open. Very big year. Yep. This will be number four, I believe, right? 99, 05, 14, and now 24. Correct. You guys excited about the about the U.S. Open? Uh, very excited. Uh, you know, not everybody gets the opportunity to work a U.S. Open. Um, there's, a, there's a lot going on, and uh, it's making time go quick, but it's, it seems like it's going to be here before we know it. And, but it's a very exciting time at Pinehurst. Certainly um, a dream of mine. When I went back to school at NC State, um, had my target on a U.S. Open, and it feels like it's almost in the grasp. A lot of, <laughs> lot of work ahead, but it's getting closer every day. Now, have either one of you um, worked a tournament or a USGA event before? I've worked quite a few PGA Tour tournaments. Um, I grew up in Ohio, and uh, my father was a superintendent at the Firestone Country Club. So yearly they had what was the NEC World Series of Golf, which ended up as the Bridgestone Championship. So I've worked oh, 10 to 12 PGA Tour tournaments just on the grounds crew, and uh, I was an assistant uh, in Cleveland at the Country Club for uh, the 2012 Women's USAM. All right, so you, you definitely know what you're, what you're about to embark on. I'm hoping this yep. is a, this is a bigger scale than yes. what I've what I've seen before, but they're lean on that experience. A little so, bit. Eric, you're a legacy then. Your dad uh, was a superintendent. Yes, yes, yes. He just recently retired, in fact. <laughs> really, and mm -hmm. he was at Firestone. He was at Firestone for I believe 23 years, and then he was at uh, the Country Club in Cleveland for oh, I think about 15 years. Wow, so he's been in that Cleveland Akron area. That's I'm assuming that's where you obviously that's where you grew up. Yep, I grew up. I just moved down here just like I said about three and a half years ago. So 
Did you go to school up in Ohio? Yeah, I went to Ohio State. Okay. They've got a good turf program there, yes. don't they? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. David, where are you from? Originally Boston. Okay. Um, been in North Carolina for some time. Uh, went to NC State from 2021 to 2022. Okay. You did the two-year program? I did. Yep. yep. Um, then went down to Pinehurst um, as an intern. Loved the area. Um, relocated the family and definitely enjoy the lifestyle down there. Yep. It's much slower than Raleigh. It is, for sure. <laughs> it's a good spot to intern, too. It is. Served me well. I know that. So, um, have you ever worked a tournament? I have. I volunteered at the um, 21 Junior AM, and that was at CCNC. Okay. And then I also volunteered at the uh, U.S. Women's Open at Pine Needles. I was um, – I didn't volunteer at that event, but I was there. Actually, we were doing a bunch of recording there for the women in turf, mm -hmm. and uh, that was a cool event for sure. Yep, I worked alongside them, and I believe, to the best of my knowledge, they'll be at the U.S. Open, correct? Yeah, the women in turf are going to be at the U.S. Open. Yep. They are going to be. You are going to have a, a group of them yes. volunteering with y'all. Yep. That's a tough ticket to get to volunteer at the U.S. Open at Pinehurst. It is, and, it, you know, especially, yeah, with Pinehurst, you know, with us having so many, with the multiple courses, we're able to, you know, expand our crew very easily from pulling from other golf courses plus all the surrounding courses we have. Um, so, you know, in a sense, we're very lucky with all the surrounding courses and what we have that, it, you know, we can we can staff it well. Yes. And there's just a limit of housing too, isn't there? That, that's kind of what I was told was the biggest issue with getting more volunteers in. Certainly, yeah. I mean, there's not that many hotels in town and uh, the ones that are are charging a, a lot. price. Yeah. They are. Yeah, we don't have, you know, a university with dorm rooms or anything like that set up to where we can that, – that's, like you said, that's the biggest, you know, hiccup we've had with, that, you know, bringing people from the outside in, and that's why we have to draw from so many uh, nearby courses. And so some of the courses at the main paddock right there, you know, were, of course, one through five, are they all going to be closed during the event? Are some of them going to be open? What's the plan with the other? I know the satellite courses will be open, but what about the other courses at the main um, complex there? Uh, courses three and five will be open, just obviously not run out of the main clubhouse. Uh, courses one, four, they will both be shut down yep. uh, for, for during the tournament. So it's easy for Pinehurst organization to pull people away because you're not going to have to worry about those other courses being open for hospitality or anything. Correct. But then 7, 8, 9, 10, 6, those will all be... Those are all be open, correct. And busy. Very. Yep. You guys been out to Course 10 much? Yeah, I've actually... I did some work down there um, with uh, the early stages of drainage and stuff like that. Um, haven't got to play it. I look forward to my chance next year. Um, but, yeah, it's a beautiful property. It is. They've had a little bit of preview play out there, right? A little bit, yes, yes. It's. Uh, I've been down there. Uh, I think David worked over there a little bit more than I did, um, but I have spent some time down there. I helped spray greens for a day. Uh, funny, I, I walk my dogs down there now. So oh, you, you I, live I, close by yeah, there? So I do get to, I get to go out and walk it and see it, and it's something else. It's going to be a really – It's cool. I was able to walk it back in – I can't remember. Uh, this summer, in August, I was out there for a, a half a day, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a. Re I, th I think it's just really special just to add something else onto Pinehurst. You know, where all the golf courses are a little different, and that one's absolutely you know different than anything else we have there. 
It is for sure. Certainly a unique property. The elevation changes much yeah. different than course two. Much yeah. different. Yeah, you know, I think that's I've always been told that or read that, you know, Donald Ross picked that particular area where he built two and one and everything just because it wasn't quite as hilly as some of the other areas around there. But um yeah, it was it's exciting and um you know the you have the old pit golf course there that was there, and I guess we're going to possibly have an course eleven at some point too. So yeah, that's a possibility. It's um, man, you guys are really moving and shaking up there. <laughs> <laughs> so, did y'all start it at course two, or did you um, start somewhere else in the Pinehurst organization? Well, I had been out of the business for a little while, and uh, when I decided to come back into the business after COVID, I had owned a few gyms and COVID. Didn't do me so well there. Right. So uh, when I decided to go back into the business, I had always told my wife the only time I would, place I would really wanted to go was Pinehurst. So I took any opportunity that was available and came to Pinehurst as just a spray tech um, on number four. And from there, it moved pretty quick. I was in the first summer I was there. I moved over to course eight as an assistant. Very short time over there, uh, about eight weeks, and then moved over to course four as an assistant. And I think I was on course four for maybe 10 months before I moved over to course two. So they must have identified something in you, Eric, right away, <laughs> huh? <laughs> I think it was just good timing. There you go. There you go. How about you, David? Um, I came down in 21 as an intern and then returned upon graduation as AIT and then was recently promoted. All my work has been on course two. Nice. What are you, uh, David, what are you most excited about for the tournament? Just excited. Just to put the course and all the team's hard work on the national stage um, and and showcase what we have to offer at Pinehurst. Um, I think that's what I'm most excited about. Um, all the work leading up to it, the long days, you know, long evenings, time away from the family. When that tournament begins and we're on that world stage, I think that's what gets me most excited. Eric, how about you? Uh, similar to David, you know, being able to, you know, look at our product on television, you know, and have the best players in the world there playing the product that we've put together. Um, but at the same time, I really look forward to just the hustle and bustle of, of prepping up for it with, with all the employees we're going to have out there and just the challenge of it. You know, this is going to be very challenging, you know, having employees that aren't, you know, normal employees on course too, and, and being able to lead them and, and get them through the open, you know, with, with our help. I think I'm just looking forward to really getting the team together and uh, putting out what, the best product we can. I have full confidence you'll, y'all will have a good product. Um, it's uh, definitely going to be exciting. I guess this will be the second U.S. Open with what I want to call the restored Pinehurst number two. Yes. Um, but you mentioned to me earlier, I think you mentioned, David, about planting wiregrass. That's something that you're working on right now is kind of developing those out-of-play areas? Yeah, certainly um, the wiregrass, the sandy native areas that, you know, align the sides of the fairway. Um, over the course of resort play over years, um, some of the areas have become a little bit thinner. Um, we've worked with the USGA and have created a plan of the uh, different zones we'll have for driving areas where the you know, the pros will land. Um, so we'll have different zones, and we're planting quite heavily in some areas. Some areas, not as much. Um, but the scope of work is much larger than first anticipated. 
I knew we'd plant some. I thought we'd do it around the bunkers, but the actual scope of maybe actually planting 50,000 wiregrass plants. Um, <laughs> it's an immense undertaking, um, and we plant every day. Where and are you sourcing those, those from? Uh, locally, right there in Moore County. Okay, there's yep. a there's a, a nursery, or is there just land that you go and get? I mean, obviously, wiregrass native to the sand hills, right? Do you just go harvest it, or do you buy or buy it from a nursery? We're buying it from a, a landowner right. locally. Yep. Because I think I remember David Frichty saying that before the U.S. Um, actually, I think it was maybe before the Women's Open and when Southern Pines was was being built that they had a, I don't know if the owners there had a big track of land that had a bunch of wire grass and they were just transplanting it all. So um, it's a cool plant for sure. Did y'all play at Southern Pines uh, 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 back in December for the uh, um, Sand Hills event? No, unfortunately we did not. We were probably planting Plant wire grass. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I hear you. <laughs> no, we, we didn't. Uh, I, I'd love to play there. I've, I've heard nothing but good things of since about that redo and the pictures I've seen. It looks just fantastic. It's, yeah, it's stunning. Um, I was wore out, though, by the time I was done playing it. Is that Kyle Frank's work? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Which really a lot of the original restoration work at, um, at number two was Kyle, I believe, working for Coor and Crenshaw. Yep, yep. correct. Yeah, he's definitely made his mark over there, mm-hmm. for sure. So, is there much different about the course this year, or for this U.S. Open, compared to 2014? I haven't heard much about any new tees being added or, or anything like that. You mentioned the wiregrass, David, in the key landing zones. Is there any, are there any other major changes? No major changes. I mean, we've expanded some tees, but we haven't lengthened the golf course or anything like that. Um, I think pretty much it's going to be the same layout that they had for the 14. Yeah, it's plenty long enough. That's right. Because what it's, it can be stretched out to what seventy five hundred yards yeah, now. Yeah, a little over seventy five hundred yards. Do y'all ever let anybody play from those tees? They do. Yeah, they do. You'll uh, see them out there. They're out there. I mean, they're out there doing it, and you know, I wish them the best when they're at, yeah, back more that power far. To them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I remember I was there for the. Uh, Amateur. What year would that be? Nineteen was 19, that nineteen? Yeah, I was there for the semifinals, um, and that was a really cool experience. And they played it pretty much all the way back for that event, as I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's cool to be able to walk down the the fairways right behind the players, and it's a little bit different um, spectating experience. Yeah, I watched yeah. that on TV just just recently, just trying to take a look at our golf course, you know, from a different perspective, and I, I noticed that that. That'd be that'd be neat to kind of walk behind everybody instead of being out outside of the ropes. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, just uh, you know, the amateur is just different. I guess you told me you you said you were at the uh, women's amateur. Yeah, women's yeah. amateur. Uh, Lydia Co won. In fact, that year. Yep. She was very young when she won, but wow, she was impressive. I bet. I bet. And that was at the Country Club in Cl- Cleveland. Con- yeah, Country Club in Cleveland. Right. Yep. Not to be confused with Brookline. That's right. Yeah. That's right. When did you graduate from Ohio State, Eric? 2007. Okay. And you went through the four-year program there? Yes. Cool. You a Buckeyes fan? I'm a big Buckeyes fan. Okay. Very very much so. I get, I get some heat for it down here, but that's all right. So you're pulling for Washington then, huh? Huh? Yeah, I can't cheer <laughs> for Michigan. That's a no-no. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Um, you think you're going to have a major letdown after the event's over? I'm sure it's a little bit, but just with 
There always is after a big event like that. You know, you always want to have something to look forward to. But, you know, the USGA has now scheduled numerous events to be held at Pinehurst. So it's not going to be long before we're ramping up for something else. I think it might be like two weeks for the North-South Amateur. Yeah. Yeah. After. That's pretty much right after, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's a couple weeks right afterwards. Yep. And that's a yearly um, amateur event held Mm -hmm. at um, course two. Do they use course course four for that some too for the preliminary rounds? Yes, course four and course two. Yeah, it's the longest consecutively running amateur championship in the world. Yep. Every year. Every year. And is there's there's a men's and a women's field in that as well? There is, and I, I believe it's this year that they're going to try something they haven't done before where they're going to run them concurrently. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's what was really cool about 14, you mm-hmm. know, when you had the U.S. Women's Open right behind yeah. the, the men's. That, yep. was, that was cool. So, so speaking of the USGA, the GAP program. Yes. You all um, have some guys from course two that are part of the GAP program, correct? Yes, we do. Um, how's that been from your perspective as assistant superintendents um, working with the USGA on that? And, and just, I just kind of want to get your, your thoughts on that. I think the program's fantastic. It uh, it allows these guys to take a little more ownership, I think, in what they do, and you know, to be a little more educated about what we're doing. You know, you'll have longtime guys that work on a golf course, you know, that mow and do all this, but you know, they really don't know what we're doing. We're fertilizing, you know, or spraying or things. It gives them an opportunity to learn some of the more of the ins and outs of the business. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, and those guys that we had this year in the GAP program. Um, certainly benefited from the classroom because most of them were tenure guys um, with the exception of one. Um, but the GAP program, I'm excited about the future of it. I think it's a, a great way for people to enter the career without searching out for a two- or a four-year degree. Yeah, and, it, you know, we it's it's obviously it's hard to get employees. It, it's very difficult. And um, with having this program, and once it, you know, eventually it's going to be on a national scale. Um I think it'll help us not only to get employees, but good employees, you know, that, that care and that really, like I said, take ownership in what they're doing. And I, all around, I think the program's going to be very successful. And you have how many um, students from Course 2 are there in the GAP program right now? Or that just finished, I should say. Four. Yeah, we had four. You had four just alone from Course, course, course 2. Course Course 2. Yep. Correct. And are, are you going to have any in the new cohort? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, one young man just came down from New York. He's going to be doing it. Um, his brother actually is interning with us also, which is interesting. Uh, and we also have one um, Army veteran, or I'm sorry, a military veteran, um, who will be doing it, and he works on the cradle. Okay. And you, you guys just recently – Took over the cradle, you told me earlier. Yes, yes. Uh, it, kind of, it fell under our umbrella, the uh, cradle, the uh, lawn bowl courts, croquet courts, and we've, we've always had thistle do, but kind of all falls into that together. Is that um, taxing on, on your labor, or did they bump up your labor a little bit to help with that? Or Well, we inherited the crew that was on there. Okay, so the cradle kind of had its own dedicated yeah, crew? yeah. And, I mean, the cradle in itself, you know, you go out and do the morning work, and it's packed. I mean, it's hard right. to get anything done. Yeah, and I it's think, literally sun up to sundown. There are people out there. Yeah, so I think it's actually going to benefit us on course two also because, you know, we'll be able to bring those guys over, which will be good for them. You know, they'll really get to experience the open a little more than they probably would have had they just been on the cradle. Right, because the cradle is going to be a driving range. 
That's correct. During the open, <laughs> which um, I guess that's the way it was in 14. But back then it was course three and course five, hole one correct. of each course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so what, um, what kind of manpower does it take to um, maintain the cradle? About four people in the morning. For about for three or four three hours, or four. you think? Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Because it's what, about 10 acres, fellas? Yeah, roughly. If you include that, and this will do, I think. I think. It, okay. Because right. it's yeah. like the funnest 10 acres in golf. There you go. Yep. Any unique challenges uh, maintaining this will do? The traffic that yeah. it gets just, I mean, there's just so many people on it constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do, it has to be treated a little bit differently, obviously, than the, the uh, golf course greens because it just sees just an absurd amount of traffic. But other than that, I wouldn't say so. Um, you know, it gets its morning mows. You know, it stays on a pretty similar program to what we put on the greens on course two. So that's what um – that thing's what it, it's over an acre. I know that, right? It's about seventy-five thousand square feet. Correct. Yeah. And then you send one triplex mower out to mow that, or two, or how does that work? One triplex. Okay, so he double mow in the uh, height of the season. We're single mowing right now. Yeah. About two and a half, three hours, roughly. So does he start at like four in the morning, or? He'll start with us. Yeah. At the normal start time. Okay, and then people will just start kind of com- coming out there as as whoever's mowing it type of thing. Oh yeah, they don't. Yeah, they'll get yeah. right in front of us in the mower. They don't care. Right. <laughs> you can't slow them down, can no, you? In never. fact, they were out there the other day uh, putting on a frosty green. Really? Yeah. I had to ask them politely to remove themselves from the green. Did you observe any damage? No. Good. No. Yeah, it's okay. Good. Do y'all? Um, now that you don't oversee it at Pinehurst anymore, do you observe frost delays? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. For the greens complexes. Right. But for um, if it's just in the if it's just in the fairways, that type of thing, um, with it all being dormant, are you more lenient, you think, than you would be in the past? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, we're course two, we have late start times right now. We're nine thirty. So okay. generally we're fairly clear of frost by the time anybody's gonna go off. But I would say, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. We would if be the a little more. greens are clear, they can play. Yeah. Yeah. Once the greens are clear, they're good to go. Yeah, that's – to me, that's one of the advantages of not overseeding. It's, sure. Um, you know, there's – once it's dormant, it's dormant, and there's really not much damage other than, you know, I'll make the case that playing in frost is abnormal conditions. Um, I would agree. But <laughs> um, if I was paying to play course two, which I would never do, um, and I had to pay in frost, I'd – might be angry, you know. Um, but then again, if I wanted to play bad enough, I guess I just have to deal with it. Yeah, I think, you know, when you schedule a tee time this year, there's, there's going to be certain things that can happen. So, yep. Especially on the first hole with the tree line on the right. Yeah. When the sun rises, I mean, it's pretty much always frosty in that fairway. Is it? Off the morning, yeah. Probably southeastern side then because it seems like any time in the winter when you have your worst shade is always on that southeast side. Absolutely. Yep. So, um, I'm gonna let you guys get out of here. Um, yeah, I do appreciate you stopping by, Eric. Well, you, you you have anything else you want to say? No, I appreciate you having us out here and uh, out here at beautiful Daniel Island. Just looking yeah. forward to going out and playing there tomorrow. Yeah, y'all enjoy that. It'll be fun. I got to go start class tomorrow, so <laughs> I don't get to play. But um, 
yeah, it's fun. Um, I don't know what course y'all are playing, but um, it's a cool facility. Y'all ever been to Charleston before? Yes, many times. Glad to be back in the low country. You like it, huh? Yeah, I enjoy it. Looking forward to some seafood for dinner. There you go. First nice. time for me. Really? First yes. time ever? Yep. My wife was not happy that I was having my first time before hers. Well, you're going to have to bring her down, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> David, you got anything else for us? No, thanks for having us on. Ab- absolutely. It. I appreciate you guys um, breaking away. But I um, um, thought the listeners would like have a little inside glimpse at you know what's going on. Because Pinehurst is a very important part of the Carolinas. Golf scene. It's the home of golf in the Carolinas, and in my opinion, in the United States. Yeah, I think it's in the whole world. Yep. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much, and um, I'll let you get back to the education. All right, thanks for having us.